Hello and welcome to Strat Hack Season 2, a podcast series that aims to dig deep into the art of marketing strategy and decision-making. Hosted by me, Sarah Holland, Deputy CEO of Ketchum, and me, Amelia Tarode, founder of Formbreak. In each episode, we lift the lid on a company or individual who inspires us, talking with them about the decisions they've made and the strategic process they've gone through to achieve success. Then stay with us as we discuss what we've learned, identifying and highlighting the key brand lessons and marketing learnings which we believe will be applicable to businesses anywhere, before asking ourselves and you the really tough question. So what are we now going to do differently? Welcome to Hack. In this episode, we are joined by Joanna Jensen, founder of Child's Farm. This is a story of bubbles and baths, back to basics and brand in hand, a true kitchen table to global success tale. So turn on the taps, light the candles and relax. Or if you're listening to this on the tube, just close your eyes and pretend. On today's episode, we're joined by the amazing Joanna Jensen, founder, chair, brains behind and all-round creative force of nature of Child's Farm. Formerly equity client director at UBS, Joanna made the journey from the city to the farmyard and the lab just over 12 years ago. Joanna has built the UK's leading child and baby toiletry brand, changing the category and the lives of many parents and children along the way, including our own. It will become very obvious very quickly that we are huge fans of Child's Farm and of Joanna. Joanna, thanks for joining us today. Welcome to Hack. Thank you. So lovely to see you both again. Thank you, Joanna. So first things first, we, we've got a large number of, um, sort of non-UK listeners. So for them, can you explain to them what Child's Farm is and how it came to be, how it started? No problem. So Child's Farm is really absolutely a labour of love. And they say that um, necessity is the mother of invention. And it absolutely was in the case of creating this baby and child toiletries brand I've got two little girls and both were born with sensitive skin but little Bella who popped out in 2008 chronic eczema atopic eczema super sensitive allergic to absolutely everything and I was horrified to discover that even since I'd been a child and had atopic eczema there'd be no real changes in what you could put on your children's skin so it was steroids or some form of emollient And I felt that it wasn't right. I didn't want to put steroids on my baby. When I'd had atopic eczema as a child, mum was a great believer in moisturisation. So using shea butter, cocoa butter, and our credo was moisturise, moisturise, moisturise. And actually, we were treated homeopathically. So I thought there must be a way of doing this for Bella. I couldn't find what I wanted. And I was very clear about what I wanted in my ingredients and what I didn't want. I'm a bit of a... I'd I'd always wanted to become a naturopath, but having worked in the city, I never really quite got there, but had always been completely obsessed about natural remedies and ingredients. So hence, I thought, well, look, I'll give it a go and do it myself. And it really took over. And it was one of those things where I wanted my child to be happy in her skin. And I wanted to find the best natural solution for that. That was not only really efficacious, that it made her skin feel fantastic it would stop that upset, the crying, the, the everything that you can't respond to really as a parent. It's sort of out of your hands because they can't say to you, this hurts, that hurts. I wanted to do, do all of that, but I also wanted to do it from the very beginning in a really sustainable way. So whilst I was doing it for my own children, it actually occurred to me as I was sort of going through this, that 
you know what, there are other parents in the same situation as I am. There are other parents who've got children who've got really poorly skin and just need something that alleviates that pain and makes their lives a little bit better. So it kind of snowballed out of control. And the next thing I know, I'm sort of stopping at the doorstep of people like Boots, who's the largest chemist in the UK, saying, come on, list my products with not having a clue how to do it and just being a bit loudmouth and relentless about it. So, Joanna, when you said when you said that you started making it for Bella, I mean, were you, were you sort of sitting at a kitchen table with sort of cocoa, but what cocoa butter? What 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 do you mean? You you just you just sort of you started it. Who who who? Just you or, or other people? What 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 was that like at the beginning? Yeah, no, it was just me. And, and look, we'd always had ponies, so we used to we were used to making stuff ourselves, and we'd go and get make hedgerow concoctions and pull stuff together. And always, actually, for our horses, we were doing the same thing. I just thought, well, I'll just do it for Bella. And it's it's, it's sort of, I sort of classed her as what would I do if you were an animal? And I did exactly <laughs> that. And it was sitting at my kitchen table. And I took a just sort of a basic base formula and I sort of tried it on her, saw what a difference that made. Then I thought, God, it's really boring. It doesn't smell of anything. So I thought, you know, I'm going to pop in some tangerine oil, which in our house is known as happy juice because you just smell that fragrance of orange and it's every holiday you've ever been on, you know, those juicing machines in hotels, which fascinate me. That's my one aim in life to have one at home. But, and also, you know, Christmas stockings, because we always have a satsuma in the bottom of our stockings. So that fragrance for me is hugely evocative and really smells delicious. So somewhere between your kitchen table and the kind of hedgerow concoction, which, which I love, I've never, I've never, never heard that story before. I think it's amazing. So somewhere between your kitchen table and knocking on the do- the, the 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 boots in the the, the front door of, of of boots. What what was that moment when you thought I'm going to quit my job? There's a there's there's a business here. What was that moment? Well, I think it was a, a friend of mine's daughter had worked for Dutch Originals and which was the Prince of Wales Trust run business before they sold it to Waitrose. And so I asked her, who did you use to manufacture the toiletries for Dutch Originals? And she said, lovely guys down in Kent called Medicam. So I arranged to meet the head honcho, Tom, actually on Heston Blumenthal's um, Little Chef on 303. And I sat down with him and I said, look, this is what I'm wanting to do. And I showed him the labels and I showed him the list of ingredients I didn't want to use and what the aims were. And literally over a very smart cappuccino, he said, you know, I guess it, I like it, let's do it. And it was that simple. And, and he said, we could, we can do this, love what you're thinking, you know, because for us, it was all about fun and inclusivity. And, you know, everything for poorly skin was blue and white and looked medicinal and smelt medicinal. And by using delicious, non-irritating fragrance and packaging it in labels, which are my kids, all their pets and ponies and you know a little bit bonkers it's British bonkers there's nothing normal you don't often see a pony in in rollers hair rollers at the um, hairdresser but that's what we wanted to do and he just loved it and he said well let's let's do it and and so I said okay let's do it didn't write a business plan didn't do it I mean years in the city why would you write a business plan for a new business venture I had these all these assumptions in my head which are all complete rubbish Um, as I went through everything. But I had determination and passion in spades. And I had two little girls that were benefiting from what I was doing. So I threw caution to the wind and said, right, I'm going to give it a go. I mean, it's madness. I want to pick up on that, uh, the point that you just mentioned there about the brand. And actually, uh, when you look at Child's Farm, it's so distinctive. 
it's colourful, it's got the kids, it's that mix of cartoon and photography. It's to appeal to the kids as much as it is to parents. It looks completely different to all of the kind of medicinal, too grown up kind of products and brands that you see out there. How easy or challenging do you think it's going to be to kind of stay on brand as the business grows like how important is that story for you to kind of keep a hold on as you expand you extend and you move into other markets yeah that's such a brilliant question Sarah because so often a brand as it expands loses its essence which is why I don't don't run the business anymore I mean I'm interfering I mean I think that's (laughs) the right of a founder isn't it but I'm actually I now have a new title which is creative director So my life now involves around NPD. So all the new stuff we're making, I've got a very sensitive nose and I'm very picky. So I pick all the fragrances and and work on innovation with our team here. But I'm also in charge of labels. Um, And to me, those labels have got to be evocative. They've got to remind, you know, they'll remind certain people of certain things about their own childhood. But they're also that storytelling tool that you have as a parent that when you're in the bath, I want a little one to turn around and say, that's my tractor or that's my pony. And, you know, that's me. I'm the pyros and this is the adventure I'm going to get on tonight. The, the whole point is they're meant to be totally sensory. And that's so important. And I am so thrilled. I've actually found a team of amazing designers that literally have earworms themselves into my brain, taken a huge, great shot of bonkers. And they have really understood about how you make imagery regarding this brand, you know, how you keep on creating it. So they're putting their own spin on it too. But, you know, we were talking about something the other day and they said, well, you know, it's a tropical scene. You know, we don't need a parrot. We need a pigeon. And I said, we do, but he needs a suitcase because he's on holiday. And they went, he does. And that crab should be wearing sunglasses and have an ice cream. (laughs) And I said, that crab should. We sort of, it was like a meeting of minds and and bonkeriness. And, and, and that gives me faith that we can keep up that real uniqueness about Charles Farm, yeah. doing things that others shouldn't. And, you know, it, and it, 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 it should make everyone smile because they're meant to be fun. I mean, if you look at some of them, you will find slugs and you will find snails. No yeah. puppy dog's tails, but we, we really do try to hide in those labels something that over time a little one can say oh look I hadn't seen that yeah Yeah. the storytelling of it and I think the other the other distinctive thing yeah is the smells and that you mentioned about that kind of the alchemy and the fun of rhubarb and custard or that original tangerine is that still the hero brand is it the tangerine kind of aromas what do you think kind of what's selling well and what's the, what do you think of those smells and those kind of products that are actually like the heart of Child's Farm? I think the two fragrances I think are associated with Child's Farm are the tangerine and the sweet orange. And they are, because those essential oils, you can use neat on a baby and they won't cause any harm. Whereas lavender, if you use lavender oil on anyone, it'll burn your skin. But it's the tangerine and um, orange have got the same properties as lavender. So they're really soothing and calming. And they're great for getting anyone ready for bedtime. But then the other one is the grapefruit and tea tree oil, which is the first moisturizer we did. It is actually in our hand wash as well. And that's just really fresh and crisp. And that's, I mean, it's, I think grapefruit can be a bit marmite and you either love it or hate it, but there's this, this fragrance of clean underlined by that tea tree oil, which is nature's own antibacterial. And it just, you know, again, these fragrances, if you've got sensitive skin, you're told you can't have anything fragranced. 
And so every fragrance we use is done with that proviso that it cannot irritate sensitive skin. But then also, I mean, we've got what some of the team here call our pudding range, which is things like rhubarb and custard and blackberry and apple. And these are sort of classic English puddings that and using those fragrances from them. You know, I remember when I did strawberry and mint and, and, and actually the guys at Medicum said, oh, really weird combination. And I said, no, it's, it's English summer. And they did it and they went, oh, wow, that's amazing. And there is the mint soothes. It's mint essential oil. It'll soothe an irritated scalp. And strawberry and mint smells delicious. It's, there's a reason behind them all. But at the same time, they have to smell absolutely amazing. They have to smell like nothing you've ever smelled before. And it's fantastic now. People try to copy our fragrances, but they never get it right. And, you know, they'll try something and I'll think, oh, that smells like detergent. And ours smell like a little bit of yesteryear, all wrapped up in a very bubbly bottle. It's so true. Sarah, what, 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 does, what does Anya like? And so, so I've got two boys who actually don't have sensitive skin, but always use the Charles Farm bubble bath and shampoo. And I think they, I think at the moment it's Rhubarb and custard is the bubble bath of Joyce and strawberry and mint is the shampoo of Joyce. Strawberry and mint all day, but also the grapefruit and tea tree, the moisturiser was the first thing that I ever bought. So that's kind of, that's the stalwart. But very interestingly, and I know we'll come on to talk about it later, but she now wants to steal my farmology. Loves a hand cream. Ah, oh, don't get ahead of ourselves, Sarah. Sarah I know, yes. I know. But just because of the orange. I think it's the, it's just that iconic. And it is, you're right. It's Christmas morning holiday, treats, joy, happiness, all in one. So powerful. Fanta, Fanta, orange, <laughs> orange you know, all of these things that they just, orange is one of those really evocative fragrances yeah. that always makes you smile. Joanna, when you were at your kitchen table mashing up, I love, if Bella was a horse, this is what I'd do for her. That really know, makes me laugh. That's probably the wrong thing as a parent to say. I, I, yes, I think, I think she'll, sure. um, I, I'm not, that's years of therapy ahead of, ahead of, ahead of <laughs> you and Bella for that, for that one. You thought I was a horse. Um, what, what were your business ambitions? So you obviously you came from a sort of a commercial background, a city background, a finance background. What, what did you think, you know, a decade later, where did you think you'd be from a business perspective? Do you know, what's really weird is I'm so determined. And, you know, you, I mean, you two know, I just kind of get on and I'm really passionate. And, and I just, sometimes, sometimes in parts of your life and going through my investment banking career, there were times when I had real doubts about my ability or my suitability for what I was doing. And, you, you know, you have those, those moments where you think, you know, I think I'm a bit of a fraud, a bit of an imposter syndrome. Charles Farm, I never had a single doubt, not one doubt that this was what mums wanted. And that's been my motivation, that I could give parents a solution to help with their children's skin, whether it's really, you know, eczema prone, really sensitive, or just normal, like your, your, your sons, Amelia. And for me, what drove it was the fact that there was a massive gap in the market for which I could provide a solution that would only create happiness because that's what it generates. Being able to look after your child's skin makes you happy, makes the child happy, makes you happy. And I just had this absolute faith and it's, it's so hard to describe and I'm sure other founders would say the same thing. I just knew this was the right thing to do and I knew it would be a success. And I knew that what we were doing, you know, we could we could do all sorts of things with this, but, but at the core of all of this, it was, you know, it's helping people out. And that, if it worked for me and it worked for all of my kids, 
little friends at the time. I knew it would work for other people. And that was absolutely my motivation. You know, I wasn't sitting there thinking, oh, if I do all of this, I can drive a gold plated Rolls Royce. I was thinking, if I do all of this, I'm going to help other people like me who were absolutely pulling their hair out in despair as they had a child that was bawling its eyes out because it was in general absolute agony over their skin. And, and that, for me, has morphed into now wanting all of those products in that baby and child aisle to be suitable for all skin types and all children. So creating a wholesale change here. So, you know, saying, unless it has got all of these, these, these wonderful assets, should you really be in an aisle which is perceived by all of us as being a walled garden of safety? When there are, there are people in, you know, dark glasses and balaclavas in there that shouldn't be there. So don't do better. So brands, do better, make sure you're suitable for everyone, be inclusive for every type of skin and look at your sustainability record and don't just take that plastic tax, do something about it. And I think, you know, we, I mean, we lead on sustainability as well within that category, but there are some woeful participants in that category when it comes to sustainability too. So really, we just want to give, give everyone a wake up call and say, come on, do a better job. And Joanna, when you were building the brand, it wasn't really built through advertising. It was much more sort of experience, experience and word of mouth and, you know, Facebook and social posting. Is, is that right? Totally. Well, we didn't have a brass farthing. I mean, we were absolutely skint. I mean, literally paid for everything on my credit cards. You know, we'd go to do trade shows. I would do everything. Everything was held together with super glue and spit. I mean, I had completely misjudged how much money I needed to put into this business because, of course, it's all about stock. And so it, it was really a case of just making do and mending. And people just talked about it. We didn't ask them to talk about it. People just talked about it. And I did do a deal in 2014 with Turner Media, but that was sort of done on a real, you know, I can't pay you. How can we do it? And we launched a cartoon with them as well. And it was you know, I paid them as a percentage of our profits, which are not non-existent. So it's a great deal for us, not such a great deal for them. But it gave us that level of exposure. But we had never, I mean, social media was new. We had never expected the people to talk about us in the way that they did with such passion and such brand love. And then what we saw is this just snowballed. So and we'd, we'd got on the social media bandwagon. We didn't have a clue what we were doing. A mate of mine was doing it out of Rome. And she was literally Googling every single thing that she did. And she said, I'm going to try that. And I'll go, great, let's see if it works. So, I mean, we had, I mean, you know, two women in their 40s just sort of literally didn't have a clue what we were doing. But our audience just loved the brand. And then they started telling people about how the brand had affected their own lives and it was at a time before Facebook had monetized things going viral. And so we had 2017, 2018, we had two stories that went viral. One, a woman and her little girl's hands before and after our baby moisturizer. And then the second one, a lovely woman, Laura, who used our baby moisturizer that she claimed cured her psoriasis in 48 hours. And this went nuts. This went nuts. And it was having fabulously efficacious products that absolutely did what they said on the tin, but it was also being in the right place at the right time. Um, and it changed this brand forever. In a way, we could have never have paid for that. I mean, my credit cards didn't have that bigger limit on them. 
and they were all maxed out anyhow. So this was this was about as good as we were going to get. And it was all down to our consumers who just are amazing because they just, you know, even, even if the products don't work for their children, they say, oh, so disappointed they don't work, but thrilled they work for other people. I mean, we, we've got the best consumers on the planet. They're kind, they're understanding, they're brilliant, they share, they're opinionated, they give us feedback, you know, just heavenly. And, you know, we, we, have, we are a brand that has been made by our consumers, by no shadow of a doubt. So given just, even still now, every moment you talk about on the story still feels so personal. The business has grown and scaled, and we've seen it lots of times, I'm sure you have too. Really hard for a founder to let go and let others come in and build that team. What was that moment? What was that journey like for you when you went, look, I know how I can still add value and I know who I need to bring in and let go of some of that part of the business? Was that, what were those challenges? What were those lessons you kind of learned around that time? Oh, do you know, I I mean, I am a bit of a control freak and, you know, I, I did it once, brought in a CEO and it didn't work for many reasons. And we decided the best thing to do is part ways. But then I brought in Will, who is our CEO and has been here for over a year now, who is bright, smart, canny, gets it. I mean, he's a just, he's just a phenomena and a safe pair of hands. So I was able to walk away and he's molded a really fabulous uh, senior team, which has allowed me to spend more time doing what I love the most, which is chatting um, talking about the brand, um, looking at NPD, so new products we can develop, working really closely with our tech team and the lovely Dr. Lou who runs that. Um, and also do, looking at all the artwork and seeing how we can make that, finesse it, make it better, more fun, and looking at new products that we can create. And it actually, the first time I found it tricky, and I think that was because we, we were the wrong couple. This second time, you know, it's a match made in heaven and you know, Will gets it and he he really does. And so does the team that he's brought in. And there's a level of passion and excitement and pride about being part of this. And all of them have come because they were all Child's Farm users, which sounds a bit dodgy, actually. But no, they're children, <laughs> users of Child's Farm. And they came for different reasons. And that, again, has brought a different perspective on the brand. So... First time hurt, second time, thank God. Because, you know, all this time I've been bringing up my two and it's a juggle. I mean, you know, we're all in the same boat, bringing up our children whilst working full time. And as you you know as well, you, you're doing it on your, for yourself. That means there's no holidays, there's no time off. What is a weekend? Um, it's just, it's all a blur. And um, my kids are now, my girls are both in their teens and they need me more. And I need to free up my time to give them absolutely quality time with them. Um, and they're now coming to me saying, I need to do some work experience. Can I come and work for you? Which is fantastic. Joanna, one thing you said, and then you kind of laughed when you said that Will and your senior team were all users of the brand. And then you laughed and said, no, their children are users of it. So <laughs> I wanted to ask about um, your adult range, um, pharmacology. So Sarah and I were, were lucky enough in the summer of 2021 um, to spend some time down at Charles Farm with Joanna and her team um, as they were thinking around the strategy of farmology. So um, we'd love to find out what's happened to farmology, um, your adult range, um, and what your plans are for, for moving that forward. 
Yeah, well, look, that was fantastic. The work, the strat hack that you guys did for us was phenomenal because we launched Farmology, which was launched as our adult range right in the thick of the pandemic. And we weren't able to support it as we wanted to. It was sold in boots, still is sold in boots. And we just felt that we didn't give it the love and adoration. And we sort of got a bit lost as well in who it was for. And we'd had a team in here and, and I think they didn't really understand it as well as um, some of us old schoolers did as to, to where it fitted into things. And as I say, the cave came through everything. And so we were, we were sort of chasing our tails somewhat. The work that you guys did really helped us to isolate who Pharmology is for, because we know we want to take families on the journey and keep them as long as possible, looking after their skin and giving them good skin health tools. And actually, what Pharmology was fundamentally for was for people like me, so people with menopausing skin, people whose skin has had some hormonal changes and is parched, is desperate for to be moisturised and nurtured, but also with something which is sustainably brilliant too. And so the work that you guys did with us was wonderful because it's allowed us now to reposition Pharmology as a menopausing skin product. And we're just getting our ducks in a row now as to how we're going to make that work. But obviously a real passion project for me, having been perimenopausal for 10 years and now at the other side, but dealing with totally different skin. And so, but we still know that there is a path for other adults moving out of, and also children, because I think our average age of our child's farm child when they leave the brand is about eight and a half. So then, then they're using whatever the family is using. So actually, in our secret dens, we have created a stopgap between the two, which is a new child's farm adult range using all the love and affection and the tools that we've done for baby and child, but putting it in slightly more adult packaging and then creating some more sophisticated products for more problematic skin. And then, so you can then leave at eight and a half, you can still stay with Child's Farm, but less tractors and more sophistication on the label, but still that same quality of products. And then as you become menopausing and hormonally changed as well, because you know, the reactions that your skin has when you're menopausing are exactly the same as they happens when you're pregnant. That can take you for those peaks of moment in your life where you, your skin needs a bit more oomph. And also, as you said, Sarah, the fragrances are sensational. So they're just, again, that calling card of Child's Farm. So we are creating and the summer will see all sorts of excitements happening. Oh, that is exciting. Can't wait to see that. And I'm so pleased because we've given the work you did has given us a chance to look back and reflect and actually say, right, this is the path that our consumer needs support with. And we spent ages talking to consumers. And so really, really excited. Just brilliant. I love, love that idea of like the journey. Yeah. That journey through all of those stages and you guys being part of that is, that's so powerful. And you're in such an amazing, you're in the place where that kind of, that family intimacy is. So it's, it's, kind of expanding on your little share of shelf and what and the magic that you create in bathrooms up and down the country, but also taking that global. Honestly, Jenna, thank you so much for sharing today. Thank you for being so honest about that leadership journey that you've been on as well. And just thanks for your time. And thanks, most importantly, for Child's Farm. So thank you. You you two guys are amazing. I love working with you. Love chatting with you. And um, and thank you. And, And I just, you know... I'm a bit tired, but that's, you know, 
<laughs> I'm so I'm so happy with what we've created and and thank you for giving me a chance to talk about it. Fantastic. Thanks for your time, Joanna. Sarah, you've been a fan of Child's Farm for a long time. You probably knew about the brand before I did. Can you tell me, how did you first hear about it? So, um, challenging skin kind of runs in my family. And my mum, actually, who has really severe uh, psoriasis, actually found Child's Farm. And she actually bought us our first, the the grapefruit and kind of tea tree moisturising cream that we discussed with Joanne. She actually bought that when my son, who's now 14, was actually probably, I think maybe six or seven and was still really struggling with eczema. So I kind of came into the brand, I guess, immediately from a place of love because it was... it was it solved a problem. Yeah, it solved a problem, but it also kind of came from, I guess, that kind of like, your mum's your ultimate recommendation. Yes, Um, no, that's true. I hadn't thought about that, that, who you find out from. Yeah, who you find out from and... I guess kind of coming from a place of it's sore, it's ouchy, it's, you know, it's your kid and 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 all of those things. So we had we had Child's Farm in our bathroom almost kind of for as long as I can remember. And then when Anya came along and she inherited my joyous kind of eczema lucky skin Anya. and yeah, I know lucky, or the gifts we give our children. Um <laughs> Child's Farm was kind of already in the mix. So for me, it's sort of always been in the bathroom. And then obviously kind of later in life, we've then you know, had the privilege of kind of working with Joanna and the team. But yeah, for me, Child's Farm kind of has always, has always sort of been there. And I think that Joanna kind of talked about it a bit, your personal kind of link to this. It doesn't mean that it isn't kind of, doesn't mean that it isn't fun. doesn't mean that it isn't, it's a joy to have in your bathroom. I think for me as well, a lot of times whenever I would take the kids to, um, particularly Elliot when his eczema would be severe and it would be infected and he would be on antibiotics oh, and his, his skin was bad. Right. His skin was bad. And, you know, all of those products and all of those conversations felt like medicine. Always feels like kind of medicine or too serious. And actually, I think one of the really powerful things that kind of you almost wouldn't know until you had the brand in your life is um, it's really joyful to use in the bathroom. It's fun. You get to pass it to your kids. They want to interact with it. It doesn't look like medicine it doesn't have a cold stark label that looks like they're doing something that they're being told to do it looks like the do you want to squirt the bubbles in and let's have a play do you want to pump the cream and kind of rub it on your elbows do you kind of want to get involved and play let's let's play with the smells and kind of interact I think there's there's a power in that that actually is quite hard to kind of communicate it's quite hard to get across unless you've kind of had that and I think is one of the really powerful things about this brand that I think is 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 one of the is is why people love it. It's funny because I because I came in because neither neither of my boys have sensitive skin, but we'd we'd bought the brand because of because of the fun. We'd brought the brand yes. because of the colours. Um, there were kind of purples and oranges, and it really kind of popped and zinged, as they say, um, on the shelf aisle. And and we we got it actually for the flavours. So it was things like rhubarb and custard um yeah and the combinations and yeah it was great it yeah. was great so so it was it, I kind of almost didn't even realize that it was supposed to be for sensitive skin actually I just thought it was a kind of fun kids brand and then you know my oldest is 12 and actually still quite likes using it because of because it kind of feels you're absolutely right it feels it feels really fun yeah I just think that that again that's its power it does what it needs to do for the people that it needs to do it for but that doesn't 
It doesn't alienate anyone else. It's still just no, that fun absolutely. thing that you have in it. Yeah, the fun thing that you have in your bathroom. I just think there's such a power in that. I really. I do. loved when she talked about. Do you remember when she talked about the um, all the attention to detail on the packaging, and she talked yes. about you know the sort of the little mouse that you found, or the I don't know the the pig in a tutu, or the dancing horse. That, that actually you're, you're you're right. That it almost not even almost. She absolutely has two target audiences. You know, one are kind of the mums, the parents. Um, the other is completely the the, the, the child. And when she talks about her own two girls, um, mm. their role in, I mean, obviously it was their, you know, it was, well, it was her skin, that it was their skin again, exactly like you, thank you, genetics. Um, but they're such a part of the sort of the the the, the story and, and, and why she did it and how she did it. And, you know, it it really is a brand that kind of talks to both audiences brilliantly in a completely authentic way. No, I totally agree. Totally agree. And do you remember again when she talked about at the beginning, it, you know, it really felt um, almost old fashioned, which was going to sort of baby show to baby show to, you know, mums groups in different different church halls. And that was how she built it at the beginning. And, then, you know, then suddenly it seemed to be it was um, it was Facebook. And, and that was the thing that kind of really was the kind of catalyst, the spark that that just scaled it super quickly. Yeah. But which is the power of recommendation. All of that. And I think that's you know, something that sometimes we almost need to take a step back and remember that actually the basics are still the basics. You can do any of the kind of, any of the kind of tricks, tricks of the trade that we can now kind of pull in order to kind of get that went. But if you don't work, particularly in a space like this, where no, no parent is forgiving if something does or doesn't work yeah, no, on their child's skin, right. you are like, right. you've got, you've got one chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's think, right. There's no, there's no, there's no rug pull. There's no pulling rugs over eyes or yeah you can't or, you're right, yeah you can't trick your way into this no you can't trick your way in and you can't do it with as much as we've talked about how kind of how cool and fun the brand is if it didn't work if, if it, it didn't, didn't work, work absolutely uh -huh, it wouldn't, absolutely you wouldn't go oh that doesn't work but it looks beautiful on my shelf not in this space i think a lot of like you say what she said around back to basics brand in hand yeah. All of that kind of like working, you know, working pounding the pavement. Br br like, well, brilliant, brilliant basics. Get the brilliant. basics right. Brilliant basics. Aha. Uh -huh. And I just, um, I think sometimes we can kind of, we want to, we want to jump that. Actually, we kind of want to jump that and start to move to kind of the wider, the creation of the brand almost as if it's kind of abstract, whereas she kind of, both things kind of grew organically quite yeah, literally. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think that's right. There's the old, isn't it? You know, the old analogy about, you know, are you selling the sausage or are you selling the sizzle? Uh-huh. Um, and actually, she was selling a sausage. Yeah. Um, you know, because it had to work. And then you create the sizzle around it. But actually, if it didn't work, you're absolutely right. The brand, it would have, you know, it would have fallen down. Yeah. And, and I suppose that's something I'd never I in all the research that we'd done I hadn't heard her in her anecdote about it starting uh sort of in the world of horses and know, you know brilliant. sitting at her kitchen table and kind of thinking about you know hedgerow remedies and make it herself I kind of loved that image of her sitting there um concocting potions there's a lot of that myth right that goes into a lot of kind of brands and products like this of kitchen table and and all of that and actually there's just a power in the reality of that with Joanna. It's just, yes, I, knew, yes. I knew what I knew. I knew what I knew. So I applied what I knew. And then I took That's the That's right. And it step. didn't matter if it was for horses. Let's try and see what we can sort of transpose. But she also is utterly uncompromising. So when mm. she talks about the products, you know, I'd always thought that a citrus product, if you had sensitive skin, would be the last thing that you ever wanted to talk about. But, you know, she was always talking about kind of 
tangerine and great pink grapefruit and it, it it almost felt like it was a kind of mission to make sure that actually people with sensitive skin didn't have to kind of limit the the products that they used yeah it didn't get shortchanged and I think now the way that that's being applied to women and the pharmacology brand and a lot of the kind of the new you know all that MPD work that she kind of shared I think that uncompromising is such a good word because actually it's a uh, why shouldn't you have? Yes. Why shouldn't it smell great, feel great? Why should it feel like a punishment? Absolutely. Which I think well, is that insight from kids. Completely yeah. right. And, and that, yes, that's that's right. That's right. And and it's very, it is very her as well. Yeah. Which yeah. is, you know, I want this. I want it in red. I want it to foam brilliantly. I want it to smell fantastic and it needs to work. Oh, no one's ever done it before. Okay, right. That's a challenge. Let's Let's work out how to make it work. <laughs> And, and and maybe that's a good place to kind of to, to finish, actually, to think about the power of the founder. So Sarah and I um, earlier earlier this this week spent some time with an amazing woman called Janet Cargo, who is um, an investor in a company called Active Partners, who are a uh, venture capital VC firm who invest in brands. And she was talking with us. And I, I remember one of the things that she said, she talked about um, the criteria that they look at are active when they're investing in brands and they've invested in Leon and Rafa and Secret Cinema and you know they really you know they invested in some really seriously fabulous brands and she she said something and I wrote it down and she she said founders are the brand's magic and she had a list of um of kind of five criteria and actually the one she said that the, you know over the years that she's realized is the most important thing to you know will it work will it scale is actually that sense of a really visionary um, and compelling founder? I think part of that is a compelling founder, which Joanna obviously is, but also the level of self-awareness. I think we're quite privileged. We get to speak to a lot of people, I think kind of almost by the selection and affinity process of people who do have that self-awareness and who have got their business or their brand to a certain point by also realising where their skill set lies. And I actually think not being afraid to start over, not being afraid to say, no, I tried that person. You know, I recognised I needed a CEO, but no, that person didn't work out. So it's this person and that works. And I'm best at this. And that insight that actually the creative director role, for example. Yes, that's right, that's right. I mean, like, it's my attention to detail on these labels. And that's the thing that she loves. She absolutely loves it. And you you can feel the passion. Yeah, you can feel the passion, but to your point about being uncompromising, it's the point where she knows that if you let something go on that really important piece of real estate, that's kind of where the cracks will come in. And I I think actually the being on the journey, it's a really interesting thing. We've seen this in a few founders that we, again, we naturally kind of probably have connected with or gravitated towards or had, you know, even on this podcast, who have that level of self-awareness to say, at what point do I need to get out of the way a bit? in order for the thing that I've created and founded to continue and grow. Super tough, super yeah. tough. I mean, I have to say most of the time, you know, yeah. if you look at kind of case studies of brands. Doesn't happen. It, well, no, it's it's a board that kind of push it and, and then it kind of leaves resentment yeah. and bad feeling. Whereas actually yeah. with with Joanna, she, you're absolutely right, that self-awareness of what what's the thing that I absolutely love and then let me do more of that and let me bring in other people, let me build a team around me, yeah. a squad, a team who've got, you know, the skills and the appetite for the bits of stuff that maybe I'm not so strong at. Incredible story. Don't know about you, but I'm going to go and put some 
Moro orange hand cream on and inhale the smell. Well, there you go. So I actually put some pink grapefruit on just because I knew that we were doing that. So there you are. If it was smell a vision or whatever, then you would be yeah, able exactly. to have Scratch a beautiful fragrance. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much for that, Sarah and Joanna. Um, thank you for that. And for listeners, uh, go and have a listen. Go and have a listen. Go and have a look um, for Charles Farm or Farmology. Um, and it also sounds like there'll be some new product ranges um, coming from the Charles Farm family in the imminent future. Thank you for joining us today. You've been listening to Strat Hack with me, Sarah Holland. And me, Amelia Turode. To find out more about the work we've been doing at Formbreak, visit weareformbreak.com. For more information on what we do at Ketchum, visit ketchum.com forward slash London. For more details on today's guest, everything we've discussed, and how to get in touch with us about this podcast, please check out the notes that accompany this episode. And of course, don't forget to rate, share and subscribe via your podcast platform of choice. We'll see you next time on Strat Hat.